We all have paradigms and roadblocks that prevent us from excelling, and they can be real or imagined. Welcome to Beyond Bricks, a podcast that will give you the ability to break through those walls. Here's Dr. Nathan Unruh. Hello, everyone. I am honored to have a very special guest with me today. This gentleman has been a good friend of mine many years and has done a lot of work for me on multiple different projects. And I've really come to appreciate just his perspective on life in general, but just also what an amazing talent he is. This is Ted Heron, who's with me today. Ted owns and operates a company with his uh, partner, Mike Hart, a company called Fresh Produce. And as we get started, Ted, first of all, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, appreciate it. Tell your story. Where are you from and where you grew up and bring us up to today? Uh, Norway Center. So I'm a farm kid. I grew up 30 miles south of Sioux Falls. Um, grew up walking beans, uh, sorting hogs, you know, uh, picking chicken eggs out of, you know, like I, I'm a farm kid. Um, ended up going to South Dakota State, studied broadcast journalism. And I and I stud I picked up a horticulture major while I was there because I was just confused and I didn't know what I wanted to do, and then I ended up kind of stumbling my way into advertising. And uh, what I realized though is what I really you know it's about for me it's about curiosity and it's about storytelling and it's about ideas. And so you know my path I always knew what I was interested in even if I didn't know what I wanted to do necessarily. But I, I found my way. And then we started Fresh Produce and it's worked out. So interesting combination, horticulture. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't want to fast forward into your story a little bit, yeah. but but you've combined something cool because of that background. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. Did your family have a garden? Did yeah. You grow up yeah, in a yeah, garden? yeah. Yeah. Like my family. So we were, my dad grew up in a really rural place mm-hmm. and he went to a country school and you know, they were really living off the land and utilizing the farm for everything, which I really admired. And and I admire it more as I get older and I realize yeah. how challenging, challenging that must have been, but what a healthy way to live, you know? So right. I really admire that. So my grandma just seems amazing to me as I look back and the garden they used to have and gosh, just walking around the garden and picking strawberries. And so gardening for us was, was, um, you know, it wasn't just an interesting hobby or a fun hobby. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a way of life. It was a, it was their lifestyle and, yeah. and they needed the garden. They needed the potato patch, you know, so so it was kind of a value, like our connection to the earth and growing things. It was it was a value, I think, in our family. And I think a lot of farm kids grow up with that. But a lot of people with gardens do, you know, yeah. so I had that interest. And uh, when I got into college, yeah, I, I just kind of. You know, you, you trust your gut and you, you do what you're curious about. And so I decided to study horticulture a little bit. And I remember uh, one time I had a professor, my journalism uh, advisor was always confused by my interest in horticulture. Like, what yeah. are you doing? You're yeah. just going to have to stay in college for longer. Um, <laughs> but I started telling people as a joke, well, I was going to combine those two things and produce a rock and roll gardening show on the radio. <laughs> and then I realized... After I said that a few times, that that's actually what I wanted to do. <laughs> so I started the Rock Garden Tour, and it's a radio show that combines gardening and rock and roll. 
and it has grown. I've done it for 20 years. Now it's a radio station. You know, it's an independent, it's an independent internet radio station, rockgardentour.com. We still produce the show. It's late night radio, 24 hours a day. I <laughs> you know? love it. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's very, yeah. It seems important to me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, I, I, in my adult life, like people always, like if you're doing things like rock garden tour, people want to know why, why are you doing that? Why, why yeah. did you ever start that? Right. And you know, I don't know other than it just feels important. Mm-hmm. And so I do it. And yeah. we should do things that it feels important. Feels important. Yeah. Not what somebody else tells us when yeah. it's important. That feels important to me. Right. I don't know why, but yeah. it just has always felt yeah. important. So I keep doing it. Okay. So talk a little bit about fresh produce. Yeah, so fresh produce started out, and we were, this is 20 years ago, 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, my business partner and I met doing radio. Um, I was an intern at a radio station. He was the program director. He's the first, he's the guy that let me do the rock garden tour for the first time. Like, he gave me my spot on Wednesday nights at 10 p.m., you know, <laughs> the coveted, the coveted spot. Yeah. So uh, he gave me my big break, but we've been friends for a long time. Um we have similar values. We love to laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, we loved radio and storytelling. And uh, and so, and, and I think we had sort of an entrepreneurial uh, spirit that, you know, we, we kind of shared that. So we, we uh, worked together and we kept in touch. And at some point after I had, you know, worked as a writer, when I first met you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I had met with Mike and I thought, gosh, what if we got back in radio and we just focused on audio production? You know, and we thought that that might be a way that, oh, we could grow something or start something. It mm-hmm. seemed like there was a need within smaller market radio stations for more creativity, more mm-hmm. storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of, a lot that goes into that. Uh, but so we started Fresh Produce to just focus on radio. That's why we called it Fresh Produce, because we were just going to produce audio. Mm. radio ads. I don't think I ever knew yeah, that. That's what yeah. we okay. That was the idea. Yeah. And then it didn't, so that's where we started, but it didn't work at all. Like we thought it was going to work. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't have any, we had very limited success mm-hmm. with our first business plan. Yeah. Yeah. And so very quickly, you know, after 10 months of really struggling, we, we realized what people liked about us was our creativity. Mm-hmm. They just kind of, they liked our ideas. Mm-hmm. And so we, built a business off of that. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So how many years have you been in business? Yeah. Almost 20. 2000, yeah. yeah. This is 19. Okay. Uh, next uh, March, I think. Yeah. 20. And it's been so fun watching you and Mike and what's happened with Fresh Produce and it's created some amazing, amazing campaigns and, and done some amazing things for a lot of businesses, including mine. But along the way, you've had an opportunity to see a lot of leaders. Mm-hmm. Good and bad, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, growing up, you had a lot of people in your life that were important to you that were great leaders. Mm-hmm. So, if, if you reflect back of all the years of even growing up to starting a business, running a business, all the things that that brings, what would you say are some of the key attributes of a great leader? Um, I gave this a lot of thought and I've been asking a lot of people. Uh, just because I think it's a it's a fun thing to think about, but to really articulate what makes a great leader is, I think, it's a nice challenge. You know, like what what's what's the ingredients of a great leader? And I think what I found is that mine are kind of all over the board. Yeah, every leader is different. They don't 
fit a template. Um, but there were some qualities that I noticed in, in the leaders that I really responded to. And one of them uh, is that I respond always to a really authentic person. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who is consistent also. Uh, they're the same on Tuesday morning as they are like Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. You're in a business meeting or you're mm-hmm. on a drive on the way to, you know, go have a coffee. You're dealing with the same person, that really authentic um, sincere mm-hmm. individual. I respond. I responded to that mm-hmm. authenticity. And some of my favorite leaders were also very colorful and unique, sometimes eccentric. You know, mm-hmm. I, I found that I responded to just real characters. Yeah. And, and I don't know, you know, just they made it fun. They made life fun. I enjoyed mm-hmm. being around people like that. But I think also because a lot of times those people have a really clear vision or a passion for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And gosh, you know, one of my favorites, it's okay if I like tell yeah, yeah, yeah. stories. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites is this guy uh, called Charlie Hadwick, and he was a superintendent at Lincoln Country Club in Lincoln, Nebraska. And this is like, I was a sophomore, the summer of my sophomore year in college, and I just didn't want to live on the farm anymore. And I mm-hmm. wanted to, you know, I had a buddy that lived in Lincoln. So I went to Lincoln and I tried to get a job at this golf course. and. He didn't, Charlie didn't trust me at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had worked on a golf course. So he, you know, he's mm-hmm. like, oh. he hem and hawed. And then he finally said that he would hire me because he just sort of liked me. But he's like, I don't know if you can do this, you know. And, uh, anyway, he gave me a, an opportunity, but I, I immediately responded to his energy. Mm-hmm. And what was great about Charlie is that he was obsessed with every square inch of this golf course. Like he wanted it to be pristine. You know, he wanted it to be immaculate. Mm-hmm. And he had a way about him that he just got you excited about it too. And you felt like, well, it had to be immaculate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> Charlie almost immediately started giving me a hard time. He found out that I was from Beersford, but he said it was Bradford. Like he always <laughs> got it wrong. So he would, you know, so immediately if he yeah. saw somebody doing something wrong on the golf course mm-hmm. and he swore a lot, so I won't swear on this, yeah. but he would say, wait, this isn't effing Bradford. <laughs> <laughs> and he said it every day, multiple times. I would hear him, like if he saw somebody uh, drive cook crooked on a golf course green, yeah. you know, if you're more yeah. on the green, but you do it a little crooked. Yeah. He, what you, this isn't Bradford. <laughs> And it became like a catchphrase. And I always loved it because I wasn't even from Bradford. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was from Beersford. Right, 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 right. But it became... And I'm means, sure he's never been to Bradford. No. Or Beersford. And he wouldn't remember me. The other part about this that is, I think, kind of wonderful is that Charlie wouldn't... He, if he yeah. saw me today, he wouldn't remember me. And he wouldn't know that he had that kind of an impact on me. Yeah. But I love that. And I think about that line all the yeah. time. And it's just because he found a creative <laughs> so that, way. That's great. He found a creative way to communicate to the crew... Yeah. It was fresh, it was new, it was relatable, mm-hmm. but it helped him share his vision that, hey, you know, this has to be, this yeah. this has to be immaculate. Yeah. Don't leave the gum wrapper on the sidewalk. Pick it right. up. Because right. this right. isn't Bradford. You know, I, so he, <laughs> he's one of my favorite all-time yeah. leaders. Yeah. Well, I like, okay, so let's, let's, I, I don't want the listeners to miss the, the, those two things. Because authenticity is a big deal, and I hear that a lot. But the way you described authenticity today, I've never heard. Okay. Consistency. Yeah. He was always the same. Yeah. 
like and it and he always cared about mm-hmm. what he cared about yeah the same way and, and caring is where you i think and i love your word colorful mm-hmm. a leader that's colorful and colorful is he cared yeah and, and he could communicate it and relate it in a way that made you care made me care yeah, yeah. and he was emotional Char- charlie was emotional and he was imperfect he wasn't perfect yeah yeah in fact he was very unhealthy <laughs> It's like, you know, yes. he, he was a guy, He like the day I interviewed with him, he yeah. had a cigarette lit and he was smoking. And then there was a moment where he started lighting another one. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? I was confused because he, he already had one lit, but then he was lighting. And there was two cigarettes lit. He had one on oh, desk. And, yeah. And that's how he was all the time. So, yeah. you know, there was a lot about him that, yeah, he was imperfect, but that's what I, I responded to that because yeah. he was a real guy. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. So authenticity, which needs consistent consistency. Yeah. Colorful, which brings a level of energy. Yeah. What else? Um, so I have, I had a professor in school who was really good to me and she, uh, she was really steady mm-hmm. and calm. And I wasn't, you know, I was like kind of I was interested in a lot of different things, but I was probably a really confusing student. You know, I didn't really know what I wanted, but she was encouraging. And it sometimes seemed like she believed in me me more than I believed in myself, or she felt like I had potential where I didn't realize I had potential. Right. And so she was comfortable pushing me into things or encouraging me to try things. Right. Because, well, she must have believed in me. And so that, um, that had an impact on me. And one thing about Roxanne, she was my professor. She was very encouraging. She was very steady. And so that was one side of it. But then the other side is that she was very good at giving honest feedback. So she mm-hmm. was, she, she, uh, so she was just as authentic as Charlie, but in a different way. Uh, but I remember she did a great job at being just very, it felt like, uh, she could give me, she could be critical of my work. You know, she give, could give me challenging feedback in a way that didn't distur- discourage me. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was, you know, for me, uh, posit- positivity is important. I like to be around energetic, positive yeah. people yeah. Um, or, or just people that have positive energy. They don't have to be like Charlie yeah. Hadwick right. over right. the top. But yeah. um, she just had a nice calming energy about her. But it was the encouragement that I appreciated mm-hmm. and the honest feedback. So I think, I, you know, as we look at when we develop a high performance team models, uh-huh. At the base of the model is relationships. Uh-huh. And so we often talk about it, it, what's important to strengthen relationships is, I think, what Roxanne did for you. She was encouraging, which developed trust. Mm-hmm. Then she could be clear with yeah. you and you didn't take offense to it. Yeah. But but she built that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know that's something I'm always working on. Mm-hmm. How, how do we be encouraging give recognition of the positive versus the only time it's trying to course correct. Yeah. Did you have any leaders where, where you felt like you had breakthrough moments where you learned something, you know, like you were under a leader or you're working for yeah. somebody, but you had breakthrough moments where you learned something. You, you know, it's funny because as you asked that, um, you're talking about Charlie. Yeah. And Roxanne. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I don't even recognize it until you start thinking, thinking about it and reflecting, mm-hmm. you know, I was working at a gas station for $3.85 and my manager was Roger. Yeah. I learned more from Roger who 
Like you just described it. He was colorful. Yeah. Not like Charlie, <laughs> but very authentic. Uh-huh. I trusted him. His work ethic was second to none. But people like that, as you grow up, you don't probably even recognize it until you reflect a little bit. Yeah. So I think that's a lesson as I'm hearing right now. Yeah. We need to reflect back and think about those people. Mm-hmm. It's not all the things we read in a book, mm-hmm. right? Because there's all kinds of leadership books. Mm-hmm. Think of who are your Charlies? Who are your Roxanne's? Yeah, right. Because there's, there's probably a lot of them in all of our life. Yeah. Is there anybody else? Um, you know, I've I've had a ton. Like I look at you as a great mentor. So you're a leader in my life. I've had good bosses all up and down. I, I had good teachers that I admired. Mm-hmm. And so I think I've had a lot of uh, great leaders. I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, I had a great uh, choir teacher, uh, uh, Mrs. Kennedy, my chorus our music teacher at Beersford mm-hmm. High School was, uh, and she was kind of, she was classy. Just, she could have coached, she could have been like a hockey coach. She could have yeah. coached anything. She could have coached <laughs> lacrosse. Like she was awesome. Yeah. Um, but she, you know, she taught music. She was very talented uh, mm-hmm. at that. And she kind of, and I think it was similar to this idea of excellence and, and mm-hmm. all, but also she just had this charisma that you just sort of wanted to be around her. Um but I would say, you know, my dad it, it was my coach all growing up. He's mm-hmm. a football coach. And so I played football for him and baseball for him. And it's hard when it's your dad, you know, so he was a powerful, strong leader, yeah. uh, but he was also my dad. So my right, experience right, right. with him was different than anybody else's. But one of the things that I, you know, I look at like breakthrough moments I had playing sports mm-hmm. where you sort of figure out how to pitch yeah. or you figure yeah. out. And I, I, I find that, you know, maybe a coach or a leader will put you in a situation. Mm -hmm. And I've always learned a lot from making mistakes. Mm. Uh, I, you know, I remember when I was trying to throw a slider, I was trying to figure out how to throw a slider and I gave up like two home runs in a row Mm. (laughs) against Vermillion. And, uh, but then, you know, it's like these mistakes you make Mm -hmm. teach you and they, and I always appreciated that about my dad is that it seemed like he still gave me opportunities mm-hmm. and I, you know, I had to figure some things out and all through my life up and down, like some of my best relationships and the best leadership were people that believed in me enough and encouraged me enough to put me in a situation, mm-hmm. but they gave me room to make some mistakes. And that's how I learn. You know, we're all different. We all learn yeah. different ways, yeah. but. I need to kind of make a mistake and figure it out for myself a little bit. So the leaders that trusted and created like a safe environment me, yeah. for me to do that were, were really good for me. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. I think, you know, you asked me like, like one moment, but now you start talking about your dad and coaches. Yeah. I think about all the things I've learned from my coaches mm-hmm. and like you have those little things that never, never leave you. Like the phrase Charlie gave you. Yeah. This coach says, you know, pulls me out of a game. And I say, coach, I'm doing the best I can. And he looks at me and goes, your best isn't good enough. Sit down. And I could have sucked on my thumb, of which I kind of did. <laughs> I would have. <laughs> but you know what? But then he came along and encouraged me and taught me what best looks like and yeah. allowed me to fail and then still believed in me to do it again. Yeah. So that phrase is sometimes when it's not getting done, but I'm doing the best I can. Maybe my best is better. Yeah. And that's what taught me. Well, so those little, so those little comments, I think that we probably all have, like you had. Yeah. So okay, so let, let me transition here. Um, now you got me thinking about all these. <laughs> this uh, is yeah, good. This yeah. is good. Uh, so if you, uh, 
look at routines. Mm-hmm. Most leaders I talk to um, have some type of routine, even if they don't think it's a routine. Yeah. So what's your routine? Um, I yeah, this is we we have a similar routine because we've discovered this about ourselves. But I you know I love nature and I love I refuel I recharge by kind of being alone sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I have to start my day in that way where it's peaceful and calm. Mm-hmm. Um, in the summer, I'm waking up really early and I'm walking my dog. And it's not, you know, a couple miles. I walk the dog to the park and back. And then I spend at least a half hour reading. And then um, and then I, I will kind of prioritize how I'm going to spend my time during the day. Like what what is what are the most important things? Um, but I kind of go through that and it's really consistent for me, yeah. but I find that I, to get in a good mental space, I kind of have to do that. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a, that's my routine in the summer. It's a little bit different in the school year. Yeah. You know, that you got to make lunches and that kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, right now, I mean, it's, but it's similar. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. There's, there's time for reflection every day. There's time for reading every day. And then there's, uh, journaling i do a lot of journaling you know we're talking about reflecting i do a lot of that i'll think and reflect on different topics and mm-hmm. um what I, and it always changes for me mm-hmm. what i'm reflecting on is always different mm-hmm. um lately you know what i've been thinking about i read this book about premonitions and i'll we'll get into it uh, sometime when we're having coffee uh called, it's a book called the premonitions bureau and it's about a researcher that was studying premonitions but he had this scale on how they ranked premonitions during his research and one of the categories that he would rank is unusualness like five points for unusualness and so that's something i've been reflecting on because in creativity when you're doing creative work you want to experience new things and think about new things right you want new perspective right and so if you are high on the unusualness scale on right. any given day, yeah. that's giving you new energy, new mm. ideas. There's new thoughts. If you're, look, if you're reading a book about a topic that isn't something maybe you would typically read, or yeah. even if you take a different route to work, you know, you drive down a different street. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's all like ranking high on the unusualness scale. Mm-hmm. So I've been, I've been charting my, in my journal, like when I reflect yeah. during my morning routine, I've been charting my unusualness rating lately. I love it. <laughs> you know, but you know what I want them what you, to hear there? Yeah. Is we, we have a tendency just to do, get up, grind, 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 hamster real life, do the same things over and over again. Yeah. I've heard more people have pressed into my life now over the years, and especially now at this point in my own life, learning to do what you just said. Take time for reflection and thinking. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I th- and now I got to. Check my unusualness. Yeah. Well, where, where would you rank today? Like if you think oh, well, back on your unusualness. Probably not good. No. I got to get a little more unusual. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to wrap this up here, Ted. There's a lot of people that are listening right now that don't see themselves as leaders. Mm-hmm. And they want to be better leaders. Now, I, will, I would contend everybody is a leader because the most important person that we have to learn to lead is ourselves. But somebody that says, I want to be a better leader, where do I start? What, what advice would you give them? I, I, I think it's listening. Like if I had to give advice today. And you know what? If you asked me this question next week, I bet it would be different. You know, but I think today, I think the best thing a leader can, if you want to grow as a leader, 
grow as a listener. Yeah, I agree. I think that's it. I, I think that's what I would say. I love it. Empathetic listening. Put yourself in other people's shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, ask ask questions. Don't interrupt when people are talking to you. Just like get better at listening. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do. I'm not oh. good enough. I'm, I, I want to improve as a listener. That's like something that, you know, like you talk about relationships and making people feel safe. Well, if people don't feel understood because you're not listening to them, mm-hmm. yeah. you, you know, that, then you're totally. not going to create that environment. So I would say start with listening. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Thank you for this and thanks for your yeah. friendship. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. You can find more thoughts on how to move beyond bricks at drnathanunruh.com. 